Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmond, and I'm joined by a few of our leaders here at Heartbeat International to talk about the anniversary of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe. This episode is, of course, being published after the actual June 24th anniversary, and that's because we had team members traveling for events like the Celebrate Life Day in Washington, D.C., so we'll get to hear a little bit more about that in just a minute. But, you know, a lot of our emails and uh, social media posts lately over the past couple weeks have really led up to this anniversary as we reflected on the past, so we wanted to talk to our podcast audience about that as well. And now during these times that we're in, it's just as important as ever for you as a team member of a pregnancy help organization to take time for yourself to hone in on those skills that are vital to the work that you do at the center or maternity home. That's why Heartbeat International offers the week-long training Pregnancy Help Institute. This intensive training offers three tracks, leadership, fundraising, and new director. And this takes place in Columbus, Ohio, the week of July 24th, which is quickly approaching. So head over to heartbeatservices.org for more information and registration. Now, here we are with Darrell Godsey, the president of Heartbeat International, Andrea Trudden, vice president of communications and marketing, Tracy Shellhouse, vice president of ministry services, and Danielle White, our general counsel. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thanks, Christine. Uh, great to be together, be with you, and to talk about it. A year ago, we had an amazing thing happen, right? This Dobbs decision, which uh, we had got a preview of a little bit uh, in May, came down in June. And I just remember that it was a, a day of joy and excitement. And here we are a year later, and uh, some of you guys got to travel to D.C. for the big rally. So, Tracy, um Give us a perspective that you saw when you were there. Uh, it's kind of you're, you're getting your feet wet with some of these um, nationally focused events. But I know mm-hmm. you were at the march. This is a bit different, but it was uh, some still some striking things that you were you were telling us. Well, I, I think the thing that stood out to me most at the rally and uh, the gala on Saturday is the beautiful representation of the generations that there were young. And I, when I say young, I'm talking about families bringing their newborns um, all the way to those that are in their 90s um, with canes and walkers there for the, the rally and the events. And what struck me as I looked at that, you know, we have we've known for a long time and we've messaged that uh, the generation that is coming up is the most pro-life generation that we have seen in decades. But it was so evident at the rally and at the gala and in the scripture that went through my mind was Proverbs 22, 6, that when we train up our children in the way that they should go, when they are older, they will not depart from it. And we did see decades of departure from um, upholding the sanctity of human life in our nation in general. Now, of course, there were those of us that held tightly to that and uh, were the those out there sharing the um, the right to life and the pregnancy help organizations and messaging these things and calling people back to what we know to be true. And those generations, many of them that made um, the rally and the gala possible weren't with us. They've gone on. They're on the other side and they're in eternity. And, And yet we see their legacy. And it was awesome to see the legacy um, of the things to come, the legacy that's been built and what that has propagated, um, because there are so many young people um, involved and engaged and excited. And I found that to be very striking, but also um, it instilled in me an extreme sense of hope, Um, the hope of what we've seen in this last year, but the hope of the decades to come. 
That's excellent. That's something that uh, there's an energy and excitement that's always a part of these kind of events when we have uh, the generations, the younger people involved. Uh, I know that that's true of the March for Life and uh, know now that it's also true of the Celebrate Life opportunity. Now, Andrew, you were there too on the ground, but you had a little different role. You were running around trying to get uh, uh, some video and some interviews and you were doing your kind of uh, uh, media thing. And so you had a different perspective of the event. You were at the same, same location, just different uh, effort that you were after. That's right. And the energy, I can't help but um, kind of mimic or mirror that in that language because it was so evident um, because while it was lower in numbers than the standard March for Life, the high energy of all the uh, generations and all the people there, it just radiated. It was very fascinating to watch. And we had the opportunity to bounce around and talk to those who um, students who had come in. Um, we have some great video with um, my colleague, Laura Current going around and just talking with them and asking them, why were they here? What did this mean to them? While behind the scenes, we were also able to get um, interviews with those who've been in this movement for decades. Um, so we were behind the scenes, uh, had the ability to talk with those who've been working for, again, decades to, to move for this fight for life with AG Lynn Fitch, who's been working with us on a donation drive, Lila Rose and Kristen Hawkins. Seeing, um, we had the opportunity to um, see Vice President Mike Pence join us again, um, who's been a staunch uh, champion for life for years with his work with pregnancy centers and just advancing that culture. Of course, that's generational as well in his family. Uh, but just hearing from various speakers from all aspects, because we have influencers there, we have those working in our legal realm and our political realm, all for this one mission toward life, which was very good to see. Of course, it's an event that we were intending uh, to come to, um, to really celebrate as one, but that was very um, momentous for me to see all the combination of people come uh, be there, looking out upon, again, those um, youth who were right in front, very high energy, taking their photos, getting their selfies, carrying their signs. So one moment that really stood out to me during the rally was when Marjorie from SBA List was up talking to the group and she um, asked everybody to hold up their signs and everybody didn't. She just started reading them. And of course, you're looking out across the sea of generations. But again, that high energy was very, very evident. And that was a moment that really jumped out. Of course, I was at the top of the stairs and just looking down. And it was so fascinating um, to witness. Um, and then later throughout the day, there were different meetings going on all over DC. Um, and again, it was those various aspects of the pro-life movement coming together to see how we can continue this momentum because we're one year in and we know that it's going to be um, a long journey for us to uh, continue down, but nobody seemed at all hesitant. They were all ready uh, to continue these conversations and see what we can do to work together in order to achieve true cultural change, because that's the next beat for us is to actually shift the culture to where we embrace life which of course we do see it within our movement a little bit more, but actually kind of having those ripples go out to where everybody uh, sees the value and potential in each and every life. So this, this event was actually at the reflecting pool, like right in front of the Lincoln Memorial at the reflecting pool. So really it's a, uh quite apropos that we're reflecting about the year that has been. And so Tracy, uh, you know, you haven't always been with Heartbeat. You actually just joined us within the last year. Mm -hmm. So a year ago, you were 
uh, I don't know, you know, the 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 CEO of a center uh, in East Tennessee, uh, very different perspective. And now you're um, looking at it from the lens of heartbeat, which is while we, you know, we share and serve the mission, we we see things from a little different perspective because we're not doing the the work in the local community like the local centers are. So g- give me some thoughts about uh, really this past year as you've transitioned from being a, a director of a local center to being the vice president at Heartbeat. Okay. Well, one thing that I noticed quickly, um, even before that transition, that I think is is worth noting is with the, the Dobbs decision, something that I witnessed, and it surprised me, um, was a defecting of the quasi-pro-lifers, a defecting of those that had... Um, you know, I maybe had even been involved with in in church over the years, those that were saying they're pro-life, but then suddenly um, when they looked at, um, you know, the the overturning of Roe, um, they sort of spoke out and they were like, oh, what about, you know, what about all of the hard cases? But on the other side of that, what we saw was a doubling down of those that are devout. A, a seriousness and a fortitude, um, the recognition that there is so much work to be done. And so something that I saw as a uh, pregnancy help center leader was um, that, you know, there were challenges, but there were great opportunities. Um, one of the challenges was uh, just messaging, messaging that there is, there's still a great need, as a matter of fact, a growing need, a greater need. Pregnancy help is as important and, and gaining in importance. This is a movement that will be here until the end of time here on earth. And I, I sincerely believe that, um, you know, there's a lot of those overcoming, um, the idea that in states, say, like Tennessee, which had a trigger uh, law that effectively banned abortion, um, that there's no more abortion uh, in Tennessee. Well, first thing we know that chemical abortion is still very accessible, but also there are, um, you know, everyone's got a car. <laughs> Most people do. And, and so pregnancy help um, is, is still very, very important, but not just because abortion is accessible, because as I've said for many years, uh, pregnancy help is not about abortion, it's about people. It's about serving those that um, are our neighbors and stepping up alongside and loving them in word and in deed. Um, you know, some of the challenges that um, we I faced in uh, East Tennessee were some of the, the cyber attacks, uh, some, some verbal attacks, those kinds of things. But then we also know across our nation, those leading pregnancy health not only had to endure that, but even um, you know, vandalism, physical attacks and, and those kinds of things. And so it was a new time um, in serving in the pregnancy help movement um, because it seemed to be, and now on the um, the heartbeat side of things, where I was very focused in the Southeast um, and Southeast Tennessee and the surrounding states. Now I'm looking at things on a national and international level. And uh, that is mind boggling at times. There are so many things happening in so many different places places, there are so many fronts, and yet we are also seeing so many victories. And um, I think about those that are being persecuted, and honestly, if you're in pregnancy help, that's you. There, there, there's, there's persecution there, and that is because when we are doing um, holy work, 
there's persecution that comes along with it. And um, I was thinking about, you know, uh, Mark Houck and what uh, he endured uh, this last year. Uh, just recently, um, Mark Crosby and Dick Schaefer, uh, two elderly men that were peacefully, um, you know, outside of an abortion clinic that were attacked by an activist and uh, one, you know, very uh, physically harmed and the other, there were some minor injuries. And so we are seeing those kinds of things happening. And what came to mind um, is when I think about when uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And there's sacrifice, there's sacrifice, but we also get to see God at work all around us. And we get to see miracles in the pro-life movement. And uh, I was recently listening to a sermon by um, Philip DeCourcy, and he said something that struck me, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is um, the great campaign that the Lord has given me the opportunity to join. Um, he said that uh, persecution doesn't make martyrs, it reveals them. Mm. And in that, it Really, if you dig down, what it's saying is the martyrs are already there. It's just the persecution reveals them. Because what does a martyr do? They give up their life for something they believe in. They give up their life for their God. And in pregnancy help, um, and we know this, um, there's a lot of sacrifices made. Over the last um, you know, five plus decades, there, there have been so many sacrifices made in order to serve our neighbors and to love them and to protect life. And um, I think it is important to sometimes sort of step back and recognize that this great movement and that beautiful young generation that Andrea and I got to uh, rally with on Saturday and I got to spend the evening with on Saturday evening, that is a generation made possible by the martyrs um, in our movement that have sacrificed life. They have made great sacrifices to ensure that um, new lives are born and that we have the opportunity to change our culture's mindset to one of life. And of course, martyrs, and you're not so much saying that they laid down their, their physical life, but they certainly mm -hmm. laid down uh, other yes. opportunities that they could have had to serve as so many in the pregnancy help movement do and do every day uh, that are in it for life. So thank you for that perspective. It's uh, it's always good. You know, I, I, I am always mindful of the last of the Beatitudes, uh, where all the other Beatitudes are, well, blessed if you do this, blessed if you do that. But the last one says, you are blessed if someone else does something uh, to you, mm -hmm. which is persecute you, right? Blessed yes. are those who are persecuted uh, for his name's sake. And certainly that's what we're doing when we champion uh, the gift of life. Now, Andrew, you've been, uh, as our communications uh, leader and vice president, you've been really tangling with some of the messaging from the media coverage of PHOs over the last year, as if it just began last year. I mean, this has been going on actually, you know, for decades. Uh, it's just ramped up at, an, at a whole nother level with the, with the last year, year and a half. Uh, what are just one or two things for senators to keep in mind regarding their, their messaging, their messaging about the mission, about their work? Oh, that's a great question. Cause yes, we have been trying to tell people and make sure that everyone knows about pregnancy help for at least 50 years. But over this past year, we've had a, such a spotlight um, that has been um, honestly kind of interesting to watch because while I find it to be quite exhilarating and very excited to see pregnancy help out there, it's not always um, from a good angle, of course, but all news is good news, even bad news. So um, we're getting the message out. Um, every opportunity is very good. And the great part, um, even before the Dobbs decision began, 
is we did have a concentrated effort to get those stories of hope out through pregnancy help, not only through our pregnancy help news, but actually working with ministry partners as well to place articles uh, within a variety of um, more mainstream news outlets to share those stories. Because no matter what, um, nobody can um, deny a woman's story. So they may attack our work. They may not agree with our work. But our clients within this movement who have been served through pregnancy help and the lives of their families that have been touched, that cannot be um, belittled, that cannot be attacked. They'll try sometimes. But overall, um, you cannot deny somebody's story. So um, those are what I strongly encourage that if pregnancy centers are not already sharing those stories through their social media outlets, through their newsletters, through their local media, um, start. <laughs> Always uh, strive to make sure you have those releases and such. But if you are called to do so, that's a, the best way to really make sure that people are aware of your services, because the woman sharing how she found herself in um, a moment of fear and found your organization and went there and was served by a caring consultant within and then received parenting classes and material aid um, through a difficult time. And now sharing where she is, um, that's always that it carries such impact um, that really should be um, championed and um, amplified as much as possible because it is the good news of the work that we do. So anytime we have that ability to proactively get uh, positive news and reports out there, it's a good idea. And then within your own media as well, which would be your website and your social media, make sure that you're sharing those stats. If you um, follow Heartbeat, and receive our emails, you know of our life trends report, which we publish annually, which um, shares national and international details, um, because we are a big movement that um, I know organizations are in various aspects of the US and the world. But as a movement, you can share those uh, numbers as to how many lives we are truly impacting, as well as honing in on your specific center, because you matter. The clients that you are serving matter and are important. And so it is good to uh, share the stories and the stats because together they um, really resonate with all audiences and you cannot deny the facts. And so those are uh, some positive ways to proactively share some details. Um, now for the news has, of course, ha had some different angles against pregnancy help organizations too, um, either through having to share the horrendous news of the vandalism that we encountered over the last year throughout 30 states, um, or just interesting attacks on the language that is used in regarding in regard to pregnancy health organizations, I encourage you to just hold your head high and stand true on your mission and the work that you're doing and the clients that you serve. Because we know the certain claims that they're putting out. They've put them out for more than 30 plus years. We have a whole site, PregnancyCenterTruth.com, which refutes many of those claims. And we are continuing to build on as, um, as our movement grows and as the claims get more ridiculous. Um, because we have all the facts and data to, to back us up for the proof of the good work that we do. So when those moments happen, um, just hold, hold to the truth a reminder that you never have to accept an interview. Um, you are in full control of your words and your time. So um, if you do feel called 
to accept an interview from uh, maybe a suspicious uh, reporter. We're always here to talk it out. Um, at Heartbeat International, we always strive to be available. So if you call us or you email us, you will hear back from us and we can talk through a strategy. Um, but overall, just be affirmed in that the services you're providing and the work that you are offering, they matter to the clients walking into your doors today. And that's why you just need to kind of remind not only yourself, but your staff um, those moments too. Um, because it can seem overwhelming. It can seem that the world is against us in moments, but you have a whole network here within the Heartbeat International world that is right, be right behind you. So just hold true to the truth and put out those great news articles, stories, share them with your supporters and your um, community and rest assured in um, all that you are doing is for a greater good that we will not know the side of heaven, but we will definitely um, be blessed, be very, very blessed. So thanks for sharing that, Andrea. The, and when you say stories, sometimes, you know, that can just be a, a really good quote that uh, that a client mm -hmm. has given us because there can be in just a few words in the emotion of that client, a, a real powerful communication about how she felt about the care that she was given about uh, where her heart was at. And then now where it is. So like, I, so you, you talked about a story that was from kind of soup to nuts, like when we met her, how we served her, how she's doing all these great things, and then where she's at, which those are awesome. And those are in certain forms, those are phenomenal. Um, but you can also kind of get snippets along with stats. So you can tell a little bit of the story can convey a lot in a certain amount, particularly on social media uh, opportunities that there are just great client quotes that we can share uh, probably more faster than we can write full, full on stories. But both of those are powerful, great advice for us. Now, Danielle, the legal world has kind of been, you know, slightly um wacky over the last year or so I mean, it really like the whole legal world got turned upside down uh with the Dobbs decision and you and I had the privilege of uh traveling to DC for the oral arguments uh which was the December before uh and then we got to to, to you know as a of course as a team we celebrated everybody else but uh wow there's some big things in this transition from the federal reality you know being all eyes upon the Supreme Court to now suddenly uh, and thankfully uh, shifting away from that kind of what I have um, uh, really come to understand has been really the tyranny of abortion on our judicial system and our legal system. But now it's shifted to the states. And, you know, and we we would say before, like, oh, it's going to go from one battle to 50 battles. Well, I don't think we I certainly didn't have an appreciation for really what that would look like. Uh, and how uh, vast and diverse that would be. But there are some big things happening in the various states. Um, what what did we what have we seen in that on the on the legal side of that, Danielle? Yeah, well said. I mean, things have been happening at a fever pitch since the Dobbs decision came down. Um, and I'll I'll start with some of the I guess you could say there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'll I'll start with the good. Um, the good is that abortion is illegal now in all or most cases in 12 states. And there are now seven states that have gestational limits that are earlier than what was allowed by the Supreme Court prior to Dobbs. You'll recall that prior to Dobbs, no state could outlaw abortion prior to 20 weeks. Um, and now there are seven states that uh, place limits much earlier than, than 20 weeks. The, another good thing is that in 21 states, there have been measures that were passed that involved funding for pregnancy centers that would help women to be able to have the resources and support to choose life for their babies. And so there's a recognition that 
just because abortion is quote unquote illegal in a state, it doesn't mean that women um, automatically have the help they need. That that need is still very much there. And the legislatures are recognizing that and um, putting their dollars to help women in those states. Those are some really good things. Um, there's also greater interest in how to better help and support pregnancy help organizations and the women and families that they serve. And so I think that in the coming year, we can expect to see even more innovative and creative ways of serving women and helping to empower them to choose life. Um, some of the um, not so great things that have been going on, some of the challenges we have on the ground um, are those abortion states moving to protect abortion in their laws or their state constitutions. We had some disappointing ballot initiatives, whether that was um, in Michigan, where the voters overwhelmingly affirmed abortion and placed it in their state constitution, or in Kansas, where an effort to protect life failed. Um, we, we've seen some, some setbacks, um, and we know that there will be work to be done in those states. Um, for the pregnancy help movement, um, there's been uh, an, an initiative to enact laws regarding false and deceptive trade practices, um, false advertising types of laws that are really duplicative because false advertising has always been um, or has long been uh, illegal in in the states. But now those laws are targeted specifically at pregnancy help organizations. Um, so we're watching those very closely and exploring ways to challenge them. Um, and then, of course, the physical attacks that that uh, have been referenced throughout this podcast on pregnancy centers. You know, I, I think we all anticipated that that might happen, but I was surprised by how many incidents have occurred um, at attacking pregnancy centers. And then what felt like a collective shrug from the law enforcement community, um, you know, there were over 100 attacks and so far there have only been two indictments against those who perpetrated the attacks. So we're looking forward to seeing some more indictments and some more enforcement of the FACE Act, which protects pregnancy centers um, just as much as it protects um, abortion clinics. We've also seen an effort to, um, and this is what I would put this one squarely in the ugly category, um, an effort to ban abortion pill reversal um, by Colorado and Vermont. And that is especially ugly because it's the legal equivalent of holding her down to the table and forcing her to make a decision that she no longer wants. So for all of the bluster about women having the choice, Colorado and Vermont have took it have taken it upon themselves to remove that choice from her. Um, but um, rather than end on the ugly, there's a lot of hope even in those situations because in Colorado, for instance, the medical boards, uh, the Board of Medicine, Pharmacy, and Nursing have convened to um, make a decision about whether abortion pill reversal falls within the standard of care. Um, and that decision will, will greatly impact that, will greatly affect the impact of that Colorado ban. Um, that meeting, by the way, was just unbelievably encouraging. The pro-life community showed up and just overwhelmingly um, not just in quantity, but in quality of the testimony that was given in favor of APR. And it, it was really an amazing thing to watch those medical but, but there professionals were, stand. Thank you. That last part, there was really interesting because while you describe them as the pro-life community and they very all very well may be, 
they were really coming at this from a very uh, professional understanding. They were talking about um, some like uh, uh, some of the rationale behind declaring you know a, a drug like progesterone to be to be banned like doesn't rise to the level of of the 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 you know the state's own rules and whatnot. It was fascinating because maybe they were pro life and we we believe they were, but they were really representing the 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 issue that the state of Colorado was trying to kind of force this onto a system that would not never otherwise arrive at this at this conclusion. So very very encouraging. Yeah, there were there were professionals that were addressing the pharmacology, toxicology, um, the impact on medicine more broadly when the state gets involved in this manner. Um, ethics. It was just, it was, it was so impressive to watch the quality of the, of the testimony and, and those that were in favor of abortion pill reversal out, outnumbered those who were against it by a great share. Mm -hmm. So looking ahead, uh, we, we certainly see more of the ugly and then more of the bad and, but hopefully more of the good too, right? That we have ahead of us. Yes, definitely. It's going to be a big year. It was a big year this year. And, um, you know, I think that even as the other side tries to double down on its efforts to silence pregnancy centers, the, the reality is that it every time they talk about silencing us, they still have to talk about us. <laughs> so <laughs> they're raising awareness for us, too. So it, yeah. it's all good. It's true. And just for those that, that don't know, like uh, Danielle was on maternity leave for part of this year uh, because uh, with child number five, I think those, I think the children come along with every like major SCOTUS decision. So uh, I think her, her kids are named like Nifla and Dobbs and I'm not, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, you know, it's, it's delightful. Um, I can say that cause she's not next to me and can't throw anything at me. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's great. It's been really exciting. Cause I, I remember that trip to, to DC and thinking about Dobbs and what it could mean. And so we, we had a lot of discussions about what were the possibilities. And uh, then Alito comes and basically just tears apart Roe, which is exactly what we wanted it to do. Of course, the, the Supreme Court didn't go further and like declare personhood, which was within the realm of possibility, but they just simply didn't go there. And that leaves this, this battle across the states, which puts us into um, a couple of dynamics, uh, which has already been alluded to. We have abortion states now that, that those are states that are that are um, declaring themselves safe. They're they're doing everything they can to protect the abortion community in their midst. The abortionists, uh, even some states are talking about protecting them uh, for so-called uh, post-birth abortions. Right, the, these things that which you know another uh, word for that would be you know infanticide. Right, they're 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 talking about these things, and there's just a level of craziness that's going on as far as what the what the I would contend are the bought and paid for politicians that are doing this on behalf of the abortion industry, um, and they're 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 uh, really trying to protect this this abortion industry much like the the slave states protected slavery back in the 1800s, and and at the same time we're seeing also what we saw in the 1800s is uh, just like we had free states back then that declared themselves sanctuaries for life and lives that were otherwise being um, diminished or even killed. Uh, now we have life states who are making that declaration, like you pointed out, 12 that have done that, and others that are doing are working their way towards greater footing. And so we really are seeing now pregnancy help organizations operating in these two types of paradigms across the U.S. Um, just any, any quick thoughts about how 
uh, that is creating a kind of a differing dynamic. I, I know Tracy in Tennessee, you were in a life state, but you had you actually right on the not far from the border, I think just a few miles from the border into a state that was providing allowing for abortion. Yes, and it and it made for um, complicated messaging and understanding of our community. We had um, you know potential clients and patients calling, trying to understand what's going on. We had donors, we had people from all over, and um, it, it it just it, it created a lot of interesting conversations and situations, but also a, a lot of great opportunity. Um, but even for um, those of us in pregnancy help at times, we find it found it a little bit confounding and confusing, <laughs> even as to what was available, what is uh, the present situation, because it seemed to be so fluid. And uh, that still seems to be the case now, at least for me, as I'm still trying to get my footing. Um, I, I feel like, um, and those of you that have actually taken a trip with me, um, you know, I am um, not the most sure-footed. Uh, Andrea can attest. We went down the side of a mountain uh, less than a week ago together, and at one point, uh, it looked like I was skiing. Um, that being said, that's sort of how I feel today. Is I feel like I'm trying to uh, surf um, this this new, <laughs> um, you know, wave, and it is constantly changing. And so it has it's, it's been very very interesting, and uh, I anticipate that it will be for quite some time to come. Well, you mentioned fluid, and I think dynamic, you know, has been the term I've been using because it's certainly very dynamic. You have things that are going on. Uh, some some states, uh, Danielle, as you were talking about uh, bans, uh, you know, what one state does, the other states are looking for, and hopefully this the reverse is true, is that where um, gains on life are happening, those are also happening. But the one thing that we do know, uh, even in the midst of all of this, that, you know, there was this moment where some people, in fact, I've heard this said, well, now that abortion has been banned in our state, uh, what will the pregnancy centers do? Well, lo and behold, the pregnancy centers have been busier than ever because pregnancy help is always important. And Andrea, you alluded to this, that it's something that is going to be necessary regardless of what the what the laws are. It's because these are things that women will encounter, that people will encounter, uh, that they'll find themselves in difficult situations uh, where, where abortion is a possibility. And in some cases, they feel like that's the only opportunity that they have, and they feel forced into that decision. And that's a exactly what pregnancy help centers are designed to do to help them not feel forced, to help them overcome those obstacles, to help them find their footing, to be able to say yes to that life within them, yes to what God has provided for them, and yes to the mission that God has called pregnancy centers to do to help her choose life. And that's one of the great things that we get to celebrate. We certainly get to see and encourage, have to remind some of our our media friends that no, uh, pregnancy help has had no reason to go away. In fact, it's only increased. Uh, I was talking to Nafisa just this morning. Uh, she's a director of Option Line, and she said, you know, the calls at Option Line have increased like 27% in just this year. So it's been an amazing growth opportunity. Uh, I know that some some centers have maybe seen their numbers uh, drop a little bit, but the majority have seen them increase over the past year. And I think the law as a teacher. And we'll we'll continue to in, to instruct our population uh, that abortion is not the best uh, that we can do better than abortion, and hopefully uh, our our laws uh, will be better about doing that going forward. But meanwhile, the pregnancy help movement is alive. It's robust. It's dynamic. It's serving in all of these areas and only learning new and important ways to continue to see that happen. So we're grateful for our 
opportunity to serve. We're grateful for uh, the role here at Heartbeat where we get to see and experience and we can commiserate with those that are in uh, the the in the thick of the issue dealing with abortion states that it seems like everything is tilted against the pregnancy centers. We can also celebrate uh, with those that uh, are having state legislators that are saying yes uh, and more to what they're doing and how they're serving women. But that's our great opportunity to do that, not just here in the U.S., uh, but around the world where the the echoes of Dobbs have gone, the the overturning of Roe has become uh, important, not just uh, across our country, but uh, in, in countries around the world. And so it's exciting to be a part of Harpy International, grateful for the team uh, that does this, that can fly places. I know Andrea and Tracy were like bouncing around the country last week uh, on in the West, and then they're then they're back into the to the uh, east. And now they're back in the office. So that was pretty quick. And uh Fortunately, Danielle and I didn't have to do that this week, right? It'll that it'll be our turn in a week or two to come. So it's a great opportunity, great privilege uh, for us to be here. It's um, it's the fact that pregnancy help is more important than ever, and that's why uh, this mission didn't start with Roe, and it and it will, it's not done because Roe has gone. It is because life is important, and that's our privilege and opportunity uh, to serve, and we we enjoy it, and we uh, love those that we serve, and we continue to stand with and for the pregnancy help movement. We want to see it grow. We want to see it advance. We want to see it uh, walking in unity and serving those that the Lord puts on our path. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for being here and uh, sharing some of your recent experience and reflecting a little bit on the past year. It's really, it's been an interesting year and I look forward to the year ahead. I know there's a lot of good things ahead. Uh, one thing I want to mention, because a couple of you had talked about what we were, where have you been, whether it was the Celebrate Life Day or it was um, some of the client stories that we share on Heartbeat International's social media. So just wanted to let our listeners know if you follow Heartbeat International on social media, you can see some of those stories and those posts and those videos. Um, it's really fun to catch up with the team and their travels, uh, but also to see how Heartbeat does social media. And you're welcome to share those posts and um, kind of get an idea of how you can do um, posts at your center as well. So with that, stay updated uh, by subscribing to the podcast. And we thank you for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.